on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. Remember that hymn? We've taken an emblem of suffering and shame and we make it into art. We hang it up in our homes or we put it on a necklace or on our earrings or you know, we, we carry this thing around with us. We transform the emblem of suffering and shame to mean something that is life for us, right? You see, I find that it's the criminals of our world, it's the thieves of our world that sometimes have to help us understand what it's like to see the emblem of suffering and shame and view it through the lens of life. See, it wasn't the apostle Peter, you know, it wasn't the beloved disciple John. We would think that of all the people that would look at Jesus on the cross and speak a word of faith or to see him for who he is and to see themselves for who they are, we'd think it'd be those guys, but it wasn't. It was this thief or this criminal. Think about all the things that Jesus hears as he's being crucified. And of course, here are the criminals next to him that start to hurl insults upon him. They join in with the crowd. They joined in with some of the religious leaders. This call of, hey, come on, if you are who you really say you are, why don't you do something about it? Why don't you save yourself? And, hey, why don't you save us, by the way? See, this thief or this criminal looks to Jesus on the cross, and he sees not only who Jesus is and names Jesus, but he sees himself. Did you, did you notice that in the scripture today when this other thief, you know, the, the, we kind of think of the one starts to hurl the insults, yet the other one begins to course correct and say, hold, hold on a second. Let, let's think about this for a moment. This man's done nothing wrong. Now, now remember, these are the guys that are going through the same fate. They are on the cross next to Jesus. And he, he looks at Jesus and and. And when we see Jesus on the cross, as we're, we're trying to do in the season of Lent, is to, to come to the hill and to see Jesus. And when we see Jesus for who he is, I believe we'll start to see who we are in his love and grace. He sees Jesus, and in seeing Jesus, he sees himself, and in seeing himself, he, says, he sees his need. He names who he is. He, he says, look, we're getting what we deserve here. He sees his need. And I think what we need to get better at in the church, if I'm going to be honest with you today, or can I be honest in the season of Lent? Yeah, the band says I can. All right, here we go. So if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we have to be, we have to be able to name our need. We have to stop pretending like we don't need the grace of God because sometimes we can just kind of get into this mode or get into this life. And Jesus said that it is the sick who need the doctor and not the healthy. And he says that we're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you know, this is not rocket science here, buddy. Yeah, we get this concept. But he was talking to a group of people when he said that that would have trusted in all of whether it's religious rituals or just being, you know, who they are. They were Pharisees. They were teachers of the law. They, they would have never looked at themselves and said, you know, I need something. And that's why, like them and like us, if we aren't able to see, to see ourselves in a place of need, to say, Jesus, come and help me, heal me. 
deal with this thing in my life. I don't know if we'll ever be able to truly understand not only who Jesus is, but who we are. We've talked about this before, living into the idea of our false selves. But when we see Jesus, when we see the way that he loves us and the way that he knows us and cares about us, we can start to live into our true selves, our authentic lives. And if you can start to do that dangerous work, you will start to see the areas of your heart, of your life, of your mind, where you say, whoops, Jesus needs you there, buddy. Needs your help. I see my need for grace. And if I could see my need for grace, can I then see other people? as worthy or deserving of the same grace that I have so received or am in need of, right? Yet this thief on the cross has the audacity to believe that he's also worthy to be remembered. Yeah, sometimes, you know, when we look at the cross and we see our need and we know that Jesus died for our sins and we know that we have to repent and understand all of these things, I want us to also see this is the powerful word of faith that this criminal, this thief, speaks to Jesus. He sees his need. He, he names who he is, yet he believes that he's worthy to be remembered. And that's what I want us to hear. We have to acknowledge our need for grace, but I also in the same energy, in the same voice, if not even louder, because I don't think we talk about this enough. You need to hear today that you are worthy to be remembered. What audacity of hope where he says, Jesus, remember me. You're worthy to be remembered. So as we would do the work that only the Spirit can bring healing and hope. If we do that work, to say, Lord, come and shine your light into my heart that I might see my need for your forgiveness and for your mercy and for your grace. I don't want you walking away just feeling like you know, you're just a dirty, rotten sinner. You are worthy, worthy to be remembered because he sees Jesus and he sees himself, not just as a person of need, but as a person worthy of being remembered. And he calls Jesus king in this moment. What, what a weird, you know, he looks at Jesus on the cross, completely humiliated, dying in front of his eyes, and he says, that guy's a king. Can you look at the cross in that way? In the audacity of hope and daring to believe that you are worthy to be remembered, can you name him as a king as well? <laughs> I mean, he's a mess. He's an absolute mess. And the thief says, you have a kingdom. And I want to be a part of it. Will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And that's the word of faith. That's what we speak to Jesus in this thing that we call salvation. It is a naming. It is an exercising of a daring of hope and audacity of faith that says, I want to see you as king. I want to see you for who you are. And in seeing Jesus for who he is, we see ourselves. We see our need, yet we also see our worthiness. It's an odd tension, isn't it? To name our unworthiness, but also our worthiness. See, when we see him, we can see that he can handle that tension. He can handle our mess and yet love us with an unconditional love that says we have a place in the Father's house. We have a place in this kingdom. Because he said, surely this day you will be with me in paradise. 
And friends, what I want to just leave us with today is this idea that paradise is a reality and not a location. I mean, yeah, it's a location, yeah. We sing enough songs about the hope of heaven. Yeah, we know it's a destination. I mean, I've never been there myself. I'm going to get there one day. I can't explain it to you, you know, how it's all going to work out. You know, I love the people that are like, I'm an expert on heaven. I'm like, really? You've been there, bro? I don't, that's kind of weird. It's a location. Yeah, it's a location. But what did Jesus, I mean, what, is, what does that really mean for us? And we, yeah, we can always interpret it with the idea of, the, yeah, that guy, he's going he's gonna to die too. Jesus is going to die and this criminal is going to die and we believe that he's in the presence of Jesus. There's the thing, isn't it? He's in the presence of Jesus in this thing called heaven or in this thing called paradise. And I submit that his presence is paradise. And the promise of his presence is paradise. Yes, our world may not look like paradise. All may not be going well. The situations and the circumstances of your life. But I tell you that the promise of his presence is about paradise. You can experience paradise now. You can know paradise now. It's a reality before it's a location. And I wonder, are we living, you know, are we really living into the fullness of this reality? Again, seeing our need, but remembering our worthiness, naming Jesus as king, and believing that we have a place there. I wonder, I wonder how that moment came to be. I wonder if even before he got to the location, did this criminal, did this thief understand the power of the promise of today or this day? Surely this day, right now, you will be with me. Is that enough for you, friends? to be with him, to know that he's with you. And that's paradise. The dying thief rejoiced to see the fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Let us pray. We look to you, Lord, the author and the perfecter of our faith, We see your passion. We see your love. We celebrate your sacrifice. We acknowledge our need. We come to a table of grace, yet we do so with an awareness of our need. Of our need of that grace, of of your mercy, of your love, of your forgiveness. We come to celebrate in this meal, naming that we need you. We hold on with hope, with the promise that you've prepared a place for us at this table, and even in and at the heavenly banquet table. Yet in this moment, let there be paradise, your presence with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today we come to this table of grace, and it's an open table for you. If your heart seeks peace with God and peace with your neighbor, this is an opportunity for you to share in God's grace with one another. So as we come, we examine our hearts and we acknowledge our need for grace, yet also our worthiness to be remembered in his kingdom. So as we celebrate together, friends, I want to remind you 
that on the night of which he gave himself for us, Jesus took bread, he broke it, he gave thanks to God, he shared it with his disciples, and he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you, and do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, Lord, on these gifts of bread and juice to make them be for us the very body and blood of Christ so that we may be as your people, your body, a people who are redeemed by your blood and by your spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry until you come again and we feast at your heavenly banquet table and all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, both now and forevermore. We come to experience your grace and that's enough for that's paradise. Come and meet with us at this table. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.